0: I, I'm excited about today. We're gonna begin a brand new series uh, called Missing Greatness. It's gonna take us all the way to Easter, which seems like a long way away, but it's not uh, because we, uh, we probably, most of you might've missed it because Lent uh, was this past Wednesday, 40 days. Uh, here we go, we're getting ready. Uh, but we're gonna talk about missing greatness, how throughout Jesus's life, people missed uh, his greatness. They misunderstood him. They misunderstood where he was from and where he was going. Uh, they missed it all together. And today, uh, we're going to launch out with him being born, being from uh, from the wrong place. And, and I don't know if if there's anything significant about the place in which you were born. Uh, sometimes that matters and you know, you're know, you born in a cool place or uh, maybe a small town or the big city. Uh, I was born in Baytown, Texas, uh, right over here uh, in a hospital that doesn't exist anymore technically. Uh, and, but uh, there are a lot of famous people who were born in small towns, kind of nowhere places. Uh, Dolly Parton, everyone knows and loves Dolly Parton. She was born in Locust Ridge, Tennessee. She was the fourth of 12 kids, in abject poverty, but it had a loving family and, and now she's got Dollywood. What do you know? Uh, Oprah Winfrey, famous Oprah Winfrey. She was born, and I'm probably not gonna say it exactly right, several people tried to tell me how to do it, but Coza Cusco, Mississippi. So I'm close enough probably. Uh, thank you for someone who corrected me. Larry Bird, the famous Boston Celtic, French lick Indiana. Bubba Watson. Some of you might know him. He's a professional golfer. He uses a pink golf club and he's left-handed. That makes him really good. Uh, He's from Baghdad, Florida. Baghdad, Florida. Not a place you probably want to go. The Jonas Brothers. Any Jonas Brothers fans here? That was better than the first service. (laughs) In the first service, it was one person in the back and he was like, And they were a median adult. It wasn't even like, you know, teenage girl. Um, From Wyckoff, New Jersey, a little town of about 10,000 people. And then everyone's favorite, Lincoln driving Longhorn, Matthew McConaughey from Uvalde, Texas, way down in South Texas. And you know, sometimes it it matters uh, where you're born. Sometimes it doesn't. But there's one place in the scripture that it does matter where you're from because that got questioned, that the validity of Jesus's hometown got questioned. And we're going to look at that story today and see uh, how it's important and how it plays into the bigger narrative of who Jesus is. So if you have a Bible, John chapter one, uh, we're going to read verses 43 through 51, It's the story of Nathanael. You probably, if you've been in church a little bit, you've at least heard this question, what good can come from Nazareth? That's kind of the big question for the day that he asked, that Nathanael asks uh, about this Jesus uh, of Nazareth and how he misunderstood uh, for a moment the greatness of God. How for a moment he missed the possibility of what could happen no matter where you're from. And so John 1, verse 43, it says this. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Yours might say guile. Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? And Jesus answered him before Philip called you when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. And Nathaniel answered him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You're the king of Israel. And Jesus answered him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe you will see greater things than these? And he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man. As we look at this little encounter, this kind of, this first meeting between Nathaniel and Jesus, it opens actually several themes that are going to be consistent throughout the book of John and even throughout our little series here as we move towards Easter. And so I want you to keep these three ideas in the back of your mind as we work through uh, the next several weeks. The, The first theme here is the theme of misunderstanding, that there's a there's a misunderstanding of, of who Jesus is and what he's all about. Uh, people are constantly uh, under the impression they know who this Jesus of Nazareth is, and he shows them something completely different. They're trying to figure out this question: From where does he come? Is he from God or is he from Satan? Who who is he? And where does he come from? They, they don't quite understand who he is. And often their perceptions are skewed, just like old Nathaniel here. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Surely not. Nothing can, good can come from there. But that theme of misunderstanding and misperception occurs all the time. And so Jesus steps into their situation, steps into their life, and helps redirect their misunderstanding so that now... They understand. And in Nathanael's case, follows him. But the second theme that we see here is the theme of finding. As you read the beginning of this passage, it says, He found Philip. And then in verse 45, Philip found Nathanael. And then when Philip finds Nathanael, he says, We have found him. So who, who actually did the finding here? Because Jesus finds Philip. Jesus finds Philip. Philip finds Nathaniel, but he tells Nathaniel, hey, we found Jesus. But Jesus says, I found Philip. So who's seeking and who's finding here is the real question. Well, that's a theme all throughout the Gospels, this idea of seeking and finding. Jesus is the one who found Philip. And so as we walk through the Gospels, as you walk through the Scriptures, as you read these things, let me remind you that Jesus and the people he encounters both in the Scripture and today, there's a constant interchange, there's a constant exchange of discovering who he is and him discovering who you are and who you can be. Let me make it abundantly clear. Jesus is the one who always finds us, but we should always be looking for him. Jesus is the one who finds us, but we should always be looking for him. Let me encourage you that as you were sitting in your home this week, perhaps in 49 degree weather, Jesus was there with you. He was with you in that moment. You were found by Him. As you sat there over a pot of boiling water that had a beautiful film over it, because that's what it does, it's "Mm, so yummy. Jesus is there with you. And in these moments of of frustration and heartache, in the moments of joy and excitement, are, are we seeking Jesus? Are we going after Him? Life is constantly about seeking and finding, him finding us, us seeking him. Because he came to seek and to save the lost. And he constantly pursues us. And as we learn from Philip, we should constantly be pursuing him. And so in those moments of struggle and heartache, in those moments of joy and excitement, let me encourage you to seek him to find him and allow him to find you. The the last theme that we're going to kind of look at over these next few weeks is the theme of a witness, uh, being a witness, testifying, giving an example, bearing witness. It's what John did today. It's what Tony did earlier in our service, bearing witness to, to how God is moving. Philip is a witness to Nathaniel. Andrew, had been a witness in the previous passage to Simon Peter. Believers bear witness to others. Believers bear witness to finding Jesus. We bear witness to everyone about that. It wasn't an option in the scripture and it's still not an option today. Sometimes we just treat it that way, like it's an option But the theme of of a witness is critically important that, hey, come and see, experience Jesus the way I've experienced. We bear witness to finding Jesus. We bring others to Jesus so that they can experience his salvation and they can repeat the process. It's rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. And so as as you consider these things, the idea of understanding Jesus appropriately, of finding who he is and allowing him to find us and bearing witness, let's talk about Nathaniel. Because as Philip witnesses to Nathaniel, he makes a bold statement. He makes a bold statement about who Jesus is. I wanna turn your attention uh, back To verse 45, Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. This is an interesting way for Philip to describe Jesus as Messiah. It's probably not the way you and I would describe Jesus. We wouldn't say to our friends, coworkers, classmates, neighbors, family members, hey, come and follow Jesus, the one whom Moses and the prophets talked about. Because most of the people that we interact with outside of faith don't know, you know, Moses from Michael Jordan. They just don't know. And so that wouldn't have any impact on them. No, we talk about Jesus, the Christ, the one who died for your sins, the one who went to the cross of Calvary, the one who who conquered death. Those are the things that we talk about as New Testament people. But for an Israelite, for an Israelite, he knew what needed to be said to another Israelite to get his attention. This is the one, this Jesus is the one that Moses and all the prophets pointed to. An Israelite would know, oh, I better pay attention because if someone is claiming that, then it must be true. It must be that this person they're talking about is the one he believes, the Old Testament, my Bible, right? For, for an Israelite, their Bible is pointing to this Messiah, the Holy One of God. Because these early disciples would not have followed Jesus if they didn't believe that he was the one the prophets of old pointed to. And so he spoke to Nathanael in a way that Nathanael understood. You and I have to speak to people in a way that they understand. We have to help them. We have to engage them. We have to come to their level and bring them the hope of the Messiah. The challenge here is that Nathaniel's not very impressed. Just like sometimes when you share the gospel or you mention the power of Jesus or you talk about how Jesus answered your prayer, prayer, some people are not very impressed. They, they don't care so much. Nathaniel wasn't very impressed because what is his question about this Jesus of Nazareth? Can anything good come from that place? Can anything good come from Nazareth? Thanks for sharing all these great details, but can anything good come from Nazareth? Today, the question might be a little different. It may not be, can anything good come from Nazareth? Because we would have a tough time maybe pointing it out on a map and they sure couldn't. They might say, well, can anything good come from this? And you fill in the blank with whatever this is. the last year of our lives i lost my job i didn't have power for 3 days and all of our food is gone my kids are rebellious my wife doesn't like me too much can anything good come from this my parents are sick That's the question today. It's probably not, can anything good come from Nazareth? But it's what can come good from this world we live in, in our circumstance? And I, I think about that because we've gone through a, not just a week of chaos, but a year of Chaos. And, and once this chaos is over with by Tuesday or Wednesday, for most of us, there'll be some other chaos in a week or two or a year or six years. It'll just be true because life is hard and challenging. And so what good can come from all this? And as I look at the scripture and I think about Philip's response, I'm thankful because this is usually not my response. My response is to defend, to give all the 75 reasons why it's okay and it's gonna work out, it's gonna be good. No, what does Philip simply say? Come and see. Come and see. He doesn't argue with him. He doesn't argue with him. And when... Nathaniel asked this question about Nazareth. It wasn't because there was some big theological issue here. It was because Nazareth was another small nowhere town and Nathaniel was from another small nowhere town. And those two small nowhere towns had a little rivalry like a lot of small towns do. We're better than you. And so it was more about rivalry than any kind of theological issue and that's usually what happens with us as we engage people, it's not about theology. It's about my circumstance. It's about where I am. And as I think about this response, it wasn't that Jesus of Nazareth was gonna solve all your problems. It wasn't this great explanation. No, he just simply says, come and see. And I've always wondered why didn't Philip introduced Jesus as Jesus of Bethlehem. Because where was Jesus born? Bethlehem. Thank you. That was, hey, I'm just lobbing them up for you today. I know it's, everybody's tired. It's been a long week, so I'm trying to help you. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. So why wouldn't he say Jesus of Bethlehem? Because in that scenario... It might have raised sort of the, oh, okay. Why? Because Bethlehem is the city of David. The king, the lineage, the right name. Oh, oh he, he's from the city of David. Maybe there's some truth to this King Jesus. But over and over and over again in the gospels, Jesus and his followers who really understand display his humility. He's not there to change their government. He's not there to be their king. He's not there to fix their social problems. He's there to be their savior. And so, Philip, rather than arguing, Rather than going through this diatribe about how he's changed Philip's life, he simply says, "Come and see. Come and see." He didn't argue. He didn't get on his stone tablet, Facebook, and start saying all of the reasons why Nathaniel's philosophy was wrong. He said, "Come and see." Come and see the lowly servant savior. Come and see. And so I want to invite you. I want to invite you to invite others to investigate the claims of Jesus. Rather than argue, rather than get in a debate, rather than say how right you are, simply point them to Jesus It was so wonderful for me to hear a couple of weeks ago a testimony of one of our church members. He's been engaging a coworker who's been struggling, who's been hurting. And, 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 And as he reached out to the coworker, he encouraged the coworker to just read the book of John and write down questions. Investigate the claims of Jesus and write your questions down. come and see, come and see. And on a follow-up conversation, the co-worker said, you know, it seems that these religious leaders are very interested or are very uh, concerned about the fact that they are followers of Moses and this Jesus is something completely different. And last week, if you were here, or you paid attention online, uh, what did we talk about? John 9, the man born blind and the Pharisees said, We're disciples of Moses. And God works together to help us lead others to Jesus. Let them investigate Jesus for themselves and they will find a Savior. And as Jesus approaches, and he sees Nathanael, he gives Nathanael a great compliment. Let me encourage you to compliment people who are different than you. Let me encourage you to compliment people who don't believe like you believe. Encourage them, lift them up, humble yourself before them, because that's what Jesus does. He provides this great compliment to Nathaniel, uh, an Israelite, a, a real Israelite, in whom there is no deceit, no guile, no ill motive, no ulterior motives. You're determined to find the truth. That's Nathaniel's passion, is to find the truth, to, to know the right answer. And, and this statement struck a chord with Nathaniel, um, "How do you know me?" Uh, this morning, between services, I noticed that I'd gotten a Facebook message. Someone asking me if I have a cousin in Southwest Florida. Uh, maybe. How do you know me? How do you know me?" And Jesus, God in the flesh, changes the perception, the understanding of Nathaniel with one sentence: "I saw you under the fig tree." And the fig tree was a symbol in rabbinic in, you know rabbis, rabbinic culture of study and learning and meditation. And so perhaps it was Nathanael who was under the fig tree studying, seeking after God, trying to find his purpose in life. And Jesus says, I saw you there. And that's all it took. You are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And because of that, you will see greater things. Because of his confession, because of of Nathanael recognizing that Jesus was the Messiah, even after the tiniest bit of investigation... He realizes that, that Nathanael wasn't lying to him and something not just good could come from Nazareth, but something great. And Nathanael didn't wanna miss the greatness of God standing right in front of him. And so he declares, you are the son of God. You are one with God. You are equal to God, which is an, an amazing testimony for an Israelite. That's no big deal for you and me, but for an Israelite to make that claim, it was declaring that Jesus, this man, was the same as God. He was declaring him, that he was the one true king of Israel. He was the successor to Israel. Remember, that's Jacob's name. God changed Jacob's name to Israel. So he was the true successor to Jacob. He was the king of Israel. The one who would usher in a different kind of a kingdom. That's who he was. Nathaniel missed it at first. But Jesus found him, and he found Jesus. And God was gonna open his eyes to even great, greater things. And let me encourage you, church family. Jesus always offers us something greater, always. He always does. In the midst of our heartache and struggle and pain, where we think he's nowhere to be found, he's there with you, and he's attempting to lift your eyes in hope and assurance. That's why I'm so grateful for the church that we have one another to help us see that Jesus offers us something greater. When we live in isolation, when we live on our own, we live apart from the the body of faith, it's easy to lose heart, to lose sight, to lose faith. But Jesus offers us something greater. So I wonder, What's the great thing you're looking for today? What are you seeking after today? Who are you looking for? Some of you might be looking for PVC and I understand that. (laughs) And that's a true and honest, that's what you're looking for. And that's okay. But know that in your search, to meet your physical needs, God wants to offer you something greater. He wants to meet those needs. He wants to use you to help meet others' needs, to see something greater. And I wanna invite you to find Jesus wherever you are, to look for him in every situation, in every circumstance, so that he may lift your eyes to see greater things so, don't omit, so we don't miss an opportunity to tell others, come and see. Come and see the greatness of our God. Don't miss his greatness. Even in hurt and pain and frustration, don't miss his greatness. He has something great for all of us. Will you pray with me?